0: Foundations
1: So if we're looking for an image of Mashiach ben David as scripture says he's going to come this looks like it to me yeah. and it's, it's really quite a conflict actually because it seems to be against everything that we've been taught about Jesus
0: Foundations Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith with Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby We embarked on a journey some time ago, several weeks in fact, a journey of discovery about the Mashiach, the Jewish Messiah, so we'd be able to identify him and also recognize him when he comes again. However, the picture we have of him is only of a suffering Messiah. We don't necessarily see him as a warrior Messiah. It goes against all we think we know about him. But he is coming again and his mission the second time around is quite different. To the mission of his first coming.
1: In the last program, we actually looked in scripture and found quite a disturbing description of Mashiach when he comes back. Actually, it seems to present him as being quite brutal, mm. in fact, coming from battle and slaughter. Uh, this is actually really contrasting, shockingly contrasting, with this image that we have a true correct image that we have of gentle Jesus, meek and mild.
0: So Let's just recap on that scripture that we read in the last program. It's Isaiah 63 and verses 1 to 4. And it says, Who is this who comes from Edom with garments of glowing colors from Bozrah? This one who is majestic in his apparel, marching in the greatness of his strength. It's I who speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Why is your apparel red and your garments like the one who treads in the winepress? I've trodden the wine trough alone. And from the peoples, there was no man with me. I also trod them in my wrath and their lifeblood is sprinkled on my garments and I stained all my raiment for the day of vengeance was in my heart and my year of redemption has come. And just if you're thinking that this couldn't possibly be a picture of Jesus, the Messiah, let's look at a passage from Revelation 19 from verse 11 to 16. It says, I saw heaven opened and behold, a white horse and he who sat on it is called faithful and true and in righteousness. He judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he'll rule them with a rod of iron." And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords.
1: Now, can I just say, (laughs) gentle Jesus, meek and mild is not that person. No. I mean, both those passages of scripture are talking about vengeance, redemption, shedding of blood of Mm -hmm. enemies, being covered in the results of a slaughter, that he's doing it alone. Because in Revelation, it describes all these people coming with him, and they're all dressed in nice, clean, white robes. He's the one who's covered in the blood of his enemies, robe dipped in blood, he's waging war, his eyes are like a flame of fire, Uh, he's going to rule them with a rod of iron, treading out the winepress of the fierce wrath of God. This is a warrior. Mm. So if we're looking for an image of Mashiach ben David as Scripture says he's going to come, this looks like it to me. Yeah, And it's... It's really quite a conflict, actually, because it seems to be against everything that we've been taught about Jesus. So we've talked about Mashiach ruling the nations with a rod of iron. We've talked about this before. Why on earth would the Messiah need to rule the nations with a rod of iron with a threat of punishment if all the world is going to be so peaceful and loving and, mm. and smoochy and sit around singing kumbaya? We've mentioned this before. There's a really interesting passage in Zechariah 14. And in this passage, it describes the Messiah coming back, standing on the Mount of Olives, that is going to split in half from an earthquake, half of it moving north, half of it moving south. And then the Messiah is going to enter Jerusalem and establish his throne. And from there, he's going to rule and govern the earth. It sounds dramatic, and it is. And I've stood on the Mount of Olives, and I can see where it's going to happen. The Kidron Valley splitting and the water from under the temple coming from the Med all the way down to the Dead Sea healing it. There's all this extraordinary prophecy and you stand there and you see it in real time where it's going to happen. It's breathtaking, actually. And you would think such an entrance would confirm once and for all, Robo, that Jesus is God, he is the Messiah. All the rumors that people have heard for millennia, they're all true. Mm. And you would think... It would just be a natural assumption that all the world would drop to their knees and Mm. bow before him go, it was you all along. We were wrong, but this is it. This is you. Apparently not. Mm. Human beings are really, really slow learners. Yeah, that's right. And in Zechariah 14, it goes on to explain that God is going to make war. Like a plague of sorts, that's going to strike all the people of the nations that attack the people of Israel fighting over the holy city of Jerusalem. It says that explicitly. It also says that the wealth of all the nations is going to be given to the people of Israel. And that every year at the Feast of Sukkot, which is the Feast of Tabernacles, is going to be celebrated in Jerusalem and all the nations of the world will be expected to participate And if they refuse, something tragic is going to
0: happen. Well, this is outlined in verse 17 of this passage in Zechariah 14. It says, It will be that whichever of the families of the earth don't go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, there will be no rain on them.
1: Essentially, what that is saying is that the nations that do not go up, worship the Lord, participate in the Feast of Tabernacles, are going to experience drought. Mm. And you kind of get the rolls off the tongue. Oh, that's going to experience drought. But how bad is drought? Mm, I mean, for any country in the world that understands drought, we do. Yeah, that's right. When you think of the newscasts that we've had over the past several decades of just how bad the drought has been in various parts of the country, it has been devastating. On the land, the farmers, the animals, the people, the heartache, the suicides. I mean, it's catastrophic. And Scripture says that any rebellious nation that does not go up and worship the Lord... Once a year, four tabernacles, and go to Jerusalem and honor Christ as he deserves to be, that's what they're going to suffer. Mm. That, to me, is quite confronting.
0: Well, it is very confronting, but I guess it also reinforces the fact that there will be some rebellious nations that will be on the earth. As you said, not everyone's just going to bow down and, and comply with this Messiah that comes in. There will be nations, while Jesus is reigning as king, who are going to rebel against him.
1: And that I find shocking. You know, I think I find it shocking because I, I don't think I've ever really been taught that. Mm. I don't think it's ever been emphasised. Well, I, again, I just expect that, I've always expected that Jesus was just going to come back and reign the way he did before mm. and everything yeah. was going to be, yeah. you know, all sunshine and roses. Mm. But another point that came out of that particular verse was that the King, the Messiah, is equated as being the Lord of hosts. So right there, we know that this is declaring that the Messiah is God. He is divine. And that kind of settles that argument well and truly. When the Messiah comes, he's God.
0: The other thing that it does point out in that verse is, as we've already mentioned, that those nations that refuse to participate in the Feast of Tabernacles and worship King Jesus as he deserves to be, they will be punished by drought. So there will be that effect. And that, as you say, that can have devastating, not just short-term, but long-term effects as well.
1: So it emphasizes that he's going to be ruling with a rod of iron. That's the purpose of the rod of iron, to rule with authority and power Mm. and punishment and discipline if need be. So what happens then to this picture we have of gentle Jesus, meek and mild? Can Mm. I just say that it is a bit unsettling? I guess it's confronting because it's contrary to what I've been taught, but it is unsettling to think that when Jesus comes back, Mm. he's coming back as a warrior. And a warrior is a fighter and he deals with rebellion. And unrighteousness and wickedness.
0: Yeah. It can be unsettling, but I guess I heard recently a, a preacher, I can't remember who it was, but someone said words to the effect of if the scripture has a differing opinion to you, you need to change your opinion. Like it's not a matter of you know, <laughs> trying to tweak scripture and make it you know, shoehorn it into your beliefs. It's a matter of saying, okay, I've got to actually change my thinking to align with what the Bible says.
1: Exactly, because we're supposed to conform to the word, we don't contort the word yeah. to fit our preferences.
0: We're going to continue. In fact, we're going to wrap up. This is going to be quite exciting. This is a very yeah. lengthy series that we've been doing. We're going to conclude it all in the next program, looking at why Messiah is coming back as a warrior and why war will be part of his mission. This has been Foundations, a look at the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. For study notes, resources and more, see vision.org.au slash foundations.